0: Welcome to episode number 185 of the Make It British podcast. Now, those of you that came to our virtual conference, which we ran in September 2020, you may have attended a very informative talk that was hosted by the Future Fashion Factory and chaired by Dr. Mark Sumner. Now, the talk was entitled How to Reduce Waste in Design and Manufacturing, and it was a really good discussion. ...about how a lot of the issues within the fashion and textile industry when it comes to sustainability... ...are around the amount of waste that our industry produces. Everything from oversampling to piles of stock that are mass-produced overseas... ...and then shipped over to the UK and left unsold. A terrifying example of which is a few years ago, you might recall when it came out in the press... ...that Burberry had burnt millions of pounds worth of unsold stock... Now, I was hoping to bring you the whole recording of this very lively discussion to the podcast. But unfortunately, some of the audio is a bit dodgy being recorded as part of a virtual conference. However, when I listened back to it, there were so many amazing gems of inspiration from one particular panellist that I thought it was well worth you hearing what she had to say. That panellist was Rita Britton. Now, if you've not heard of Rita before, she is somewhat of a fashion legend, For 50 years, she ran an independent fashion store in Barnsley, Yorkshire, called Pollyanna. And she built the store up as an international hub for luxury fashion. She stocked all of the Japanese designers like Comte de Garçon and Yoji Yamamoto. And I remember meeting her back in 1989 at Paris Fashion Week because one of my good friends and fellow fashion student was also from Barnsley and knew Rita because she'd worked in Pollyanna as Rita's Saturday girl for a while. So we met up with Rita in Paris and a couple of lowly fashion students that we were dressed in our Dot Martins. Rita took us around some of the top French ateliers at the time in Paris during Paris Fashion Week. And I remembered being totally in awe of this woman. She was there picking out pieces from their collections to stock in her store back in Yorkshire. I just thought, hey, this woman is so cool. And sadly, Pollyanna closed in 2014. But since then, Rita has focused on developing her own brand, which is called Nomad, which is made in the UK with fabrics that she sources from Yorkshire mills like Abraham Moons and Joshua Ellis. Now, Rita has got a very, very loyal customer base. Some of them have been shopping with her for years and there's not much she doesn't know about retail and fashion. So it was really fascinating to hear her thoughts on manufacturing in the UK as part of this panel discussion that happened at the virtual event. Now what I've done for you here is I've picked out some of Rita's best bits for you to listen to here on the podcast, including her thoughts on educating people to buy better and buy less, why there's never been a better time to bring manufacturing back home, and how the UK makes some of the best textiles in the world, yet we're encouraging our young people to work in nail bras and do eyebrows, and that's Rita's words and not mine, rather than work somewhere where they can make clothes. Literally every line that comes out of Rita's mouth here is an absolute gem. She really does have some fantastic pearls of wisdom, which are great to hear from someone who has been in the fashion industry for as long as Rita has. So enjoy.
1: Um, Yeah, morning, everybody. Um, My name is Rita Britton. I run a company called Nomad Atelier. And for 50 years, I ran a company called Pollyanna. Nomad has now been my baby for... Um, five years Um, I am a member of the clothing industry and we are one of the biggest polluters on the planet Um, and so over the last few years my mission is to be able to look at ways of reducing waste um, reducing there was a very interesting question there about returns Um, my company gets less than 1% returns. So at some point, we could almost do with a conference on talking about how we reduce returns. I mean, it's one of my babies, is that um, we have a high street that constantly chases price around the world and thinks that that is the way to do it. They don't educate, or we don't educate our young people into buying less and buying Better. I saw something on Facebook the other day where someone had posted a dress that sold for 300 and odd quid, which is a substantial amount, and the, the vial that was poured at this woman of how dare she ask 350 pounds for the dress, that's realistic because if it's British and she's buying British fabrics and British good fabrics... And she's paying the correct wages to the people who manufacture, not some 10-year-old kid in Bangladesh. Look, I better stop there <laughs> because I could go on. But it's just that we need to re-educate. And that is what my job for the last four and a half years running Nomad has been. And for us at the moment, and I touch wood, it's working very well when you get less than 1% returns. That's reducing our footprint. So we're really not grumbling at the moment by getting people to buy better and buy less.
0: As the panel discussion was about reducing waste in design and manufacturing, we were keen to hear Rita's thoughts on how waste could be reduced at the retail and consumer end of the fashion supply chain. And this is what she had to say. That This is such a vast subject. There's never been a
1: better time to bring manufacturing in my industry back home. One of the problems, and I might as well say it as I see it, I've been in the industry 55 years, is that we are losing and I have lost a lot of the skills to bring it back home. I, at the moment, am trying to work with our MP. Um, I'm not getting anywhere fast, I hate to say, to get the colleges involved in running trainings at colleges and universities, involved in running training schemes to upskill. We used to have a company called SR Gents who used to make for Marks and Spencers, who used to train them, all their machinists to such a high standard. And we're now on the last lot of those machinists who are all in their 60s. We've got a couple. Um, and, and it's just becoming, when they have gone, we are going to be really up the creek by not having the skills to put in place the manufacturing, we've got some of the best textiles in the world, people like Joshua Ellis, who do all the cashmere for you're not supposed to say places like Chanel, but Aho. So we've got great textile people, but we're so busy teaching young lasses and women how to paint fingernails and do what, eyebrows that we're forgetting what what the industry itself really, really needs. And we need to get right to the beginning and get trained and skilled people so that everything else then falls into place. We've got some of the best young talent in the world. I remember speaking to Ray Kawakubo at Com de Garçon, who said she used to come to London regularly just to get inspiration. And, and, you know, here we are now at a crossroads because if we don't pull it back now, we've lost it forever.
0: At this point, Rita was asked what her thoughts were on whether young people cared more about the planet than the older generation or whether there was actually more pressure on young people to buy new things all the time and worry about what they look like.
1: That would be a very small percentage of younger customers that worries about the planet. Let's face it, if if I can just think back, when I was probably the age of some of them, I don't know that at that point I'd be worrying about the planet. I mean, one of the things in mind that I heard was that um, you know, young women, and it is mainly women, will um buy a dress, take a selfie of herself wearing it, and then return it in a couple of days to the store, the High Street store that she bought it from. So how over this, I'm I'm not quite sure. I think um you know we can only start, maybe we start even at schools, you know, and uh, with young kids as just five and six years old trying to educate them not to waste. We have actually less than one percent returns in our industry, but we also educate our clients to what the to the textile that they are buying. So you know, if we work with moons in Leeds, I can tell them that that coat they're buying is 90% wool and 10% cashmere so it's about educating the client into wanting we need we need we actually when I think about it probably need some role models of younger people who can look absolutely amazing in something that might have belonged to the ground you know I mean I I've got daughter-in-laws who were constantly borrowing my clothes, and a lot of my clothes in my wardrobe are 20, 30 years old. So it's it's about educating the young, but I, I wouldn't subscribe to the fact that I would think that 78% of young people are more interested in how they look in the garment, whether it's going to end up in a landfill or not. I mean, one of the big companies I heard, um, not mentioning names, They uh, our driver, because we have a company that picks up from us, our internet sales, and he said that he takes loads of things back to this company, who happened to be based in Barnsley. They're just thrown into a great big vat. They are then sorted. They are then dry cleaned and pressed and then go back on the internet for sale. Now, you look at that whole process and the waste of it, and they get something like 60, 70% of the garments back. And then they go into resale. So, you know, it's the, it's the waste of dry cleaning them. Uh, the, the company I deal with have three vans permanently uh, allocated to this company that all day just go backwards and forwards, picking up internet sales and then bringing the internet sales back. What's the answer? I don't know. It's up to young people. It's their planet. It's their planet. I'm not going to be here when they turn into grannies like me, unless there's some miracle. Um, But it's their planet. And if they don't get to grips with it and start looking at it with a degree of responsibility, it's, you know, God help them, whoever your God might be.
0: And finally, Rita comes in with a very interesting point about how the fashion industry is totally sales-driven and about how she's trying to do things differently differently. At nomad
1: can i can i just come in with a very important point here and i'm sorry but it, it really is the crux of what we're saying here if i look at the company which i'm running i started running my company with the idea that we it would only be sold through this through this company we got rid of the sale culture which was bringing the oil industry down Especially when you've got it online, that you know we were in, in competition with people in America and Australia and everywhere. That the that you know taking the industry to the lowest common denominator. And we decided, and I gave myself three years to do it, that we'd have to get rid of that culture if we were to survive. Because in my industry, nobody's making a great deal of money. One of the things we got rid of was the sale culture. Putting it out there so that everybody could decide if we sold another stock, then they can decide if they're having a, a, a bad week or a bad month, that they will reduce the stock. So we got rid of that. The other thing that I think is very, very important is we don't do free returns. And that could be one of the reasons why we get less than 1% return. Because if somebody wants to buy something online from us, they're going to have to be pretty certain that they want it because we're not going to pay for it to come back to us. Now that I know can sound to a lot of the I street stupid, but that's what's bringing the I street down is the return policy, you know, and all that goes with it, the carbon footprint and the lot. So if I were the prime minister, I'd look at my little company and say, all right, that's how they're doing it. How do we put that out there?
0: So there you go. Rita Britton as Prime Minister. I like that idea, don't you? I might um, start a lobby on that one. So I hope you enjoyed the wisdom according to Rita Britton, founder of Pollyanna, which was a shop in Barnsley for over 50 years and more recently founder of Nomad. She does have a shop called Nomad Atelier in Barnsley. So if you're in that area, do pop in and see her and send her my regards. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there are bonus episodes occasionally. So make sure you subscribe in your favourite podcast app. And if you're looking to find British-made brands or UK manufacturers, check out the directory on the Make It British website you can find at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash directory thank you for listening bye bye